passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It is John Pollock here with waiting. On a Monday night, September the twenty fifth. Hello, Way. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Okay. Why? Well, I'm chatting with you. Great start. Good to my answer. Week. Good answer. Had a nice visit at the Pollock's home over the weekend. You did. You came over. Nice yeah. unexpected visit. Got it to, was a uh, drop in, and I apologize for it. It was not. No, intended. no, I was uh, more than happy to uh, to see you. Got to uh, hang out with Oscar for a bit. Yeah, it's our, our first time our our kids got to uh, play together. That's correct. That's correct. Um, I think they so, had a good time. I think so too. I, I think I think Oscar was very entertained by Max, and Evie was very kind, sharing her toys and giving us a tour of the house multiple times. So it was adorable. Yes, Max had a lot of energy uh, seeing. Uh, He's a natural uh, host when people come over. So you know what? You, you got to see all of that. You got to see the uh, <laughs> the tornado that is my life on a on a daily basis. Yeah, I I I sat there for you know I don't know like half an hour, and I like the the first thought that came to my head is how does John read a book a week? You know, among this this chaos in his life, it's uh, deep meditation. That's what reading is. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, it was great. It was a good time. We ended up going to the same street festival, but at different times. We didn't know each of us was going to this. So it was very close by to my house. And then what you guys had like time to kill. So, well, we initially asked if you guys were around, if you guys wanted to come to the street festival. And you guys had just left it. So then your wife invited us over. That's how that worked out. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's how uh, our, our our paths crossed on a, on a Saturday. Yeah. And Wayne and I just sat there in, in silence. Like, hey, hey, what's up? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We, I mean, we don't really talk any wrestling at all in person. No, no, I really have no desire to talk yeah. about wrestling with with you when when we're not uh, having to. So, yeah. Well, that was fun. Did you do anything uh, exciting on Sunday? Um, not really. 
Are you about to get on the bandwagon for the Jays if they make the playoffs? I didn't even know. I was not even aware, but sure, why not? It's the last week That's of the fun. season. They are. You understand how the playoff format works now? The it's... wild card, right? Did it change? Well, it's three wild card teams making it. So it's it's six teams in the AL, six teams in the NL. And then you get the best of three series, which then set up your divisional series. Or six wild card No, spots? three wild card spots, oh, six overall. So you get your right. your like your East Central West winners. And then it used to be the number one, like one wild card spot. Now it is mm-hmm. three wild card spots. And the Jays are, if the playoffs ended today, they would be fifth. They'd be in. But there is a close race for fifth, sixth, and seventh, and one of these teams is going to get squeezed out. So Jays will probably make it through. They've got six games left. I think they're being a little bit generous with these playoff spots. You know, back it's, in the day, you had to win the division. There were yeah, only dude, it divisions. was crazy. Like it was yeah. like pre wild card. It was too hard to make the playoffs <laughs> in baseball, dude. Like you literally had but to. But it meant something when it you won did, it. it. Did but it's like, like AEW and all their championships. You know, like I mean, come on, dude. Like you're the R. It's winning the third wild card spot is like winning the ROH trios championships. Maybe so, but I th- I think there is a balancing act versus like <laughs> like twenty eight of your markets are like you guys are not going to see a postseason and it's going to be down to um uh like two teams make it in the American League and they will play to determine who goes to the World Series. Well, I predict in the future there might be even be five wild card spots, maybe ten wild card spots. Used to be even tougher, man. Like back in the uh, you know the uh, the shoeless Joe Jackson days, it was like the winner of the American League would face the winner of the National League. I was like, this is not a really, <laughs> this is not a clever playoff picture. This is like the most basic playoff mm-hmm. structure you can imagine. And you have like the two Chicago teams that would just play each other because, well, we got to determine who's the king of the city. There are a lot fewer teams, though. I would imagine back then. Uh, true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that is your baseball minute here on Post Wrestling. Uh, we are going to be uh, moving onward uh, this weekend. A lot going on. I, I sampled like a little bit of everything this weekend. I watched some DDT. I watched some Noah. I watched some New Japan. I watched a lot of UFC and uh, feel like th- th- this is the way to go. Like you're not going w- when I was doing my update today and just like calculating in my head. I'm like, how many hours of WWE and AEW is this week coming up? And I didn't even include Ring of Honor. I don't even include that as like AEW proper. And 19 hours of WWE and AEW. That's that's a half a work week. Uh, and I'm gonna, and I'm, I'm probably gonna watch all of this this week too. Yeah, really, the skippable one in there is probably Rampage. So okay, you can shave off an hour of those 19, but it's like you're getting a four hour pay per view Sunday, a three hour NXT show on Saturday, Collision, SmackDown, Dynamite, Raw, NXT. And this is not even like a crazy week, I would say. This is like a relatively normal week. And if we're going into a year where we are going to have WWE pay-per-views every month and AEW pay-per-views every month and between an NXT PLE and a Tuesday night special, like there will be one big NXT show per month, essentially. And then you throw in four Ring of Honor shows a month or or a year, unless those are um, all just snowballed into this AEW. It's just... It's not a shock to me that there's less engagement when it comes to New Japan or to like people that maybe followed Lucha for a time that don't keep up with it as much anymore. Or just it is such an impossible uh, task to imagine that 
your average fan is going to keep up with this, much less find more wrestling. You really have to get to a audience that is stating to themselves, I am going to watch Impact 1000 because it's so special. And we saw Impact, like if ever there was an Impact show that was going to do a number this year, it was Impact 1000. And it came and went and it was just the normal number. It's not an indictment of quality anymore. Like the quality is, it's at a good level. Like I don't think there's too many consistent pro wrestling promotions that are putting out like, no one's putting out god awful television or have awful creative, but it's man, the big two are just the vast majority of fans. That's it. That's all. It's a chore to keep up with this. And I think over time, like you're going to whittle away that audience that is just trying to keep up with this because I think it's going to be instead of just I'm cutting down an hour here at AEW, I'm just I'm just going to not watch collision and then i think that becomes a slippery slope to i'm not going to buy every pay-per-view and i do feel like we're in the midst of people that are trying to consume all of this but it is going to whittle away in my opinion because it's just it's a daunting amount and most people are not going to um push themselves to cover this that's not a that's not a leisure activity do you watch every jay's game uh, no, I don't. But there is at the same time, um, plenty of people that do. Yeah. And those people are just as crazy as the people that choose to keep up with all of this, in my opinion. I mean, if you're going to die hard, then you're going to. But the rest of us are going to bandwagon jump when it's time for the playoffs. And that's going to be the case when it comes with to professional wrestling. A lot of wrestling fans are only going to dip in for your Royal, Royal Rumbles or WrestleManias. Or in the case of AEW, I don't know, you know, anytime there's something hot that happens. Um it's sort of inevitable when it comes to, you know, this market where the more you create, the more money you make, right? Um, in the end, people are going to have to pick and choose what they truly want to watch and the rest of us will cherry pick. And um, if you're not an AEW or a WWE, you're going to have to think that much harder to present a different product than what the others are promoting. I think it's just tough when your message to your audience, even if you're not flat out stating it, but it's implied, hey, you don't have to follow all of this. Like, it's not all, like you can well, just what's watch the it. alternative. Don't do as much. It's, it, I understand the, the need for it, but I just feel like, like what is, what is the benefit if there is a, a, a burnout to your audience that cannot sustain this? Hmm. I guess I like if collision, if collision ultimately uh, doesn't bounce back when college football is over and it's an audience that just gets used to, they have other things like what benefit is it for collision to be this um, to to not make it on, on Saturday nights. The benefit to, to who the, to the, to the, the, I mean, I'm just, I'm just stating like that is one where here you are piling on hours yeah. And in a vacuum, I think Collision's a really entertaining show, but does that become a, a casualty to people? And then when you're looking at, like, if that show fails, like, your broadcaster is going to, I think, have less confidence. And here we have one flagship show, and if we it have fails, then they won't pay for it. Well, th- and, that, and then that, but becomes if they're going to pay, well, then it, then they're just back to where they were a year ago, aren't they? the The fact is, they have a broadcaster that's willing to pay for it. And if they're willing to pay for it, then they're going to create it. What What do you take from the SmackDown deal? That here is something that, I mean, it it produces numbers and it mm-hmm. it got like, 
a, a somewhat like reasonable increase, but not not a crazy one. And it also like that is also covering like these NBC specials on top of SmackDown every year. And for all the numbers that SmackDown has been doing and on this huge um, surge over this last year, I mean, they did not they did not get the the level that many people thought they would. And is that like a cooling? Do you read that as anything about just an attitude towards pro wrestling or just like, how do you read that deal? I read it as, you know, whatever WWE was asking for, for this sort of, um, you know, 1.4 increase was not worth. Um, Fox did not determine that to be worth, you know, um, the amount of money that they were asked for. I mean, in terms of performance, I it's hard for me to necessarily gauge, you know, a dollar amount. Um, that might be equal to whatever uh, AEW was performing. Sorry, uh, SmackDown was performing in, in terms of ratings. Um, but whatever it was, Fox decided it wasn't worthwhile, whereas uh, USA felt it was very worthwhile, you know, to command that price. Um, like, would the solution have been if there were two less hours of professional wrestling, uh, you know, produced by WWE each week? Would the result have been more beneficial for the WWE and at the end of all of this? I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. No, I think I think SmackDown is least is caught in this issue where this is post uh, Charter Disney, post uh, like all of this uncertainty in cable, and it and it appeared to be that you know there there needs to be more of a pushback towards these rights fees going up. And this this was one that I think did feel it. It's not the end of the sports the sports rights bubble, but it is something indicative of where SmackDown has performed versus what the expectations were. Mm-hmm. And this would have been at least something that it's it was it was not a home run for them, but it wasn't a strikeout either. Like you have to kind mm-hmm. of view it in the middle there, and then that becomes I think Raw is ultimately going to tell the tale. Will this be a successful um, in it? will this be a successful negotiation period for their rights or is this going to be a disappointing one? And the fact that they have announced SmackDown for USA and not raw. I mean, does that tell you that NBC universal, this is as much as they're putting on the table to commit to pro wrestling. It's 287 million because raw obviously is going to want a lot more than that. If they were, they're coming in at 265 and are Mm -hmm. going to want a significant increase as well. It's a big question, yeah, and one that um I I hear we might not necessarily find out until next year for the raw deal. It's it, it's hard to say where um where a deal w- w- would come um like ti- timing wise. It it does sound like it could be a while, and hmm. for their benefit, like there there could be some magical mystery player that that comes in with, with something. But hmm. um I, I'd also look at it for WWE side like this. They had to have known, like announcing this SmackDown deal. Like I'm sure NBC Universal wanted to like lock this away, but it's not like they were holding off for SmackDown for a better offer to come their way. Like they must have felt this is the best offer we're going to get. That is the combat. And maybe we had to it like theoretically, if they were in talks with Amazon, where they could have reached the expectation level dollar-wise, mm-hmm. but are we really confident at the end of the day putting these two hours onto Amazon now, uh, do we compromise on cost it, with reach being w- what we want in, instead? And it's, it's not like cable is like this, this guarantee either, but they mm-hmm. might feel it's 
it's still the primary method for a lot of people. And in five years, maybe it's not, but today it is. Yeah. Um, you know, money talks in the end. And if they get a big enough offer to, to take raw ex- exclusive to a streamer, they might at, at some point consider it. But there's something to be said about just, you know, being able to reach as uh, big of an audience as possible. And when you're on broadcast, when you're on cable, um, you could still have an online presence. You could still have a streaming presence with the next day. Um, but you're losing a lot on maybe some of the fun of, I guess, all these Nielsen ratings and, you know, being a live product on TV. On Sunday, uh, DDT held their their card, and one of the matches was a uh, Kanosuke Takeshita taking on uh, Mao, which was a really entertaining twelve minute match for the time that they had. Takeshita won clean, and it was a bit of a surprise. Don Callis showed up ringside with Takeshita, so this guy was, um, I think he was in a taped segment on Collision, and then in Japan. Do you know that? Um, well, we'll get to this with New Japan later. But anyway, so Don Callis is there. And after the match, they get on the mic, the lights go out, and there appears a photo of Kanosuke Takeshita that is torn up, and they are revealed, it is revealed, to be Chris Jericho, and the announcers are responding, holy shit! And there is Chris Jericho to issue a challenge to Takeshita, but not for an AEW card, rather, Chris Jericho is going to DDT for Ultimate Party. On November the 12th, he is he is going to the Forbidden Streamer. He is leaving New Japan World for Wrestle Universe and will go there to take on Takeshita. And they have also set up uh, Chris Brooks and Yuki Ueno for the uh, for the Openweight Championship, the uh, KO&D Openweight Championship on that same card. And this is going to be um, the greatest uh, attempt by DDT to pick up uh, some new subscribers. I, I would say like this Wrestle um, Universe. For Wrestle Universe, I yeah. would say this is going to be a bigger hook than uh, Nakamura doing the Mudo match at the mm-hmm. beginning of this year for for Wrestle Universe. This and the well. Bullet Train fight, I would it, say. It, it, not a bad month for Wrestle Universe. <laughs> that match got so much publicity on like mainstream news outlets in the U.S. It was yeah. in- incredible, like just how that that worked uh, for for the company. I don't know. I don't know if like ABC was uh, pumping up Wrestle Universe in any of their mentions of where they can see this full thirty seven minute. Uh, presentation uh but yes chris jericho kenosuke takeshita november the 12th for ddt at sumo hall pretty interesting you know chris jericho's return to japan i don't even know if i would have really foreseen at any point he kind of seems to have done about as much as he you know we've expected him to do as part of a uh, new japan pro wrestling and um i certainly didn't think it would be ddt which is still you know much smaller promotion than I, actually, I don't even know. Like, would you still say DDT is is smaller than a Noah and an All Japan at this point, or or is it more competitive than it used to be? Um, I mean, for their big shows, like they can they they can draw like a, a decent crowd for some of like their their bigger shows. But I would say they're um, bigger than All Japan. I would say comparable w- with Noah, but they they have been able to do some like big shows o- over the years. So I would say I would maybe lean a, ahead of a Noah. They're certainly not the level of a new japan like this this crowd for instance on sunday was just around uh 900 or so hmm. that was right around what noah drew on sunday for for their show but yeah i don't know how many like not AEW appearances i would have been expecting from chris jericho in 2023 or beyond you know but um the fact that he's doing ddt um suggests to me that i would assume that they have pretty deep pockets over um at uh what's the the parent cyber company? agent yeah cyber agent you're right yes and, yeah, and jericho they, they, i i could not imagine jericho 
Well, it'd be interesting what 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 the deal is set up here. Like this is obviously mm-hmm. something AEW has to uh, sign off on because you know Jericho was not cheap for New Japan to use, and Jericho was able to kind of justify his price when he came in for the Omega match. And hey, it's like look look at the metrics of what I brought for that 2018 match, and you can command a high dollar amount. Yeah, beyond Takeshita, are there other sort of cyber agent um, talents that you could see him sticking around to have future matches with? I don't know if this is. It, it's an interesting test. I think for Jericho, it's th- this is like Jericho going to something where even if he picks up like I don't know what like it doesn't have to be a crazy number of U.S. subscribers that they pick up. But it'll be it's like he's going to like a smaller territory and can mm-hmm. make a way bigger impact in it just because of, you know, AEW fans that will end up buying this this service just for the chance to see this match. So it'll be a feather in his cap. I think it's a very savvy move on his part to do this with DDT. I think that also remains to be seen, though, like Chris Jericho, you know, versus Kenny Omega, I think meant a lot more than what Chris Jericho could possibly mean now. And I I don't know what he means right now. You know, we just started this this podcast talking about how completely overwhelmed the wrestling audience is with you know attractive professional wrestling quality professional wrestling that's free yeah over the air on on a, on a weekly basis is will a match like this catch enough attention to to make the dent that he did for um uh new japan world back then well the key is presenting something that feels special and i i think that this listen it's a great point because i think at, at another point it was very different with jericho and, and omega at the time and you know today is this is this going to capture like the zeitgeist of the wrestling audience for one weekend? That would be the, the hope. And it's going to require Jericho to promote this. Cause I would assume this is going to get probably no mention on AEW programming. If history, I don't know about that. Like how, it's not going to get how often. Pulled. Have they promoted non AEW events? They will mention it. Like they, they don't, they don't bring up any of the big triple A shows when they send guys down, they didn't promote like they don't promote any of their, partners unless it's like their show it'll be interesting to see how much they they do but but, but because this is so integral to the current storyline it, it involves Takeshi, it involves callus it's like the first one-on-one matchup between two of them i could see it getting a little bit more i don't think you'll see like a billboard or anything but mentions from excalibur i i do expect that we'll see it's <laughs> it, it, it'll be an interesting test obviously ddt would greatly benefit from that that promotion on aew proper Eddie Kingston was in the news over the weekend, so he uh, stated on uh, ad-free shows, he was doing a Q&A with them, that he uh, his deal was coming up, and he said he's here for four more years. So he's 41 at, at the moment, so this is going to take him into the uh, uh, perhaps the twilight of his career. And also over the weekend, he announced that he is uh, scaling back from independent dates. He posted that Due to being New Japan strong, open weight, and ROH champion, I have to come to the hard decision that I will have to stop doing independence, dealing with a lower back injury right now that I need to get fixed and will so I can be ready for all New Japan strong shows and all three AEW shows. When my responsibilities as NJPW and ROH champion are over, I will hopefully be able to do independence again. I apologize to all, but I just need to focus and my body needs to be ready for those shows. So number one is, um, you know, this came over the weekend and he ended up, it sounds like that is how Defy uh, found out he wasn't going to be doing the match with Rocky Romero over mm. the weekend. And uh, number two, I mean, long term, this could certainly be setting things up for Shinsuke Nakamura. What? 
because of his back. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, that I think that would be a great match, actually. I think Eddie, th- that feud would be wonderful, actually. You know, subtitled Shinsuke Nakamura versus Eddie Kingston reacting to, to those promos. I think. Oh, stop, stop, great. stop. I can't read this fast. <laughs> Oh man, um, he he'll probably he probably le- learns enough learned enough Japanese right by now. You know, yeah, he's uh, probably two months over there talking to Kawada in the G one. Um, I mean, it's totally understandable, is it not? I'm sure the people that were going to see Eddie on some of these independent dates are very very disappointed. I would hope that you know he has plans to make good on all those um dates. But when it comes to a man's health, a man who has just been through the G one. Um, and then, you know, jumped right back into, uh, what is it, Stadium Stampede and AEW and, and then this incredible run that he's had up until now. I think it's totally understandable. Um, people have to stay healthy, you know, and, and, and in your 40s, that becomes that much more difficult. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, a, a nagging back injury. I mean, that is uh, something you probably want to take care of sooner than later. But as we have seen, you can also go years if you're Seth Rollins with, oh. your, with, your, with your back. Yeah. Uh, Israel Adesanya wanted to just uh, mention this because uh, over the weekend um, that this came out that uh, first from the New Zealand Herald that he pleaded guilty to a drunk driving charge. This stemming from an incident on August the 19th, which if you do the 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 dates, this was three weeks before his fight where he lost to Sean Strickland and uh, he was uh, apparently driving. This was in New Zealand and. Uh, I guess was subjected to to a breathalyzer and he had uh, 87 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood. The legal limit in the in the country is set at 50 milligrams per 100 uh, milliliters. Um, so he did put out a, a statement. I want to apologize to the community, my family and my team for the decision I made to get behind the wheel after drinking at a dinner. I'm disappointed with my decision to drive. It was wrong. I know that people might follow me and I want them to know I do not think this behavior is acceptable. So that was the statement put out. He'll be back in court in January for a sentencing that uh, can carry up to uh, a three month jail term or a fine of a uh, just over $2,600 U.S. I do not uh, expect them to be seeing uh, any jail time here. But it's uh, certainly concerning, um, number one, drinking and driving alone. Uh, Number two being like this is like right in the depths of fight camp, too, that this was uh, happening. And he had a very, a very uninspired performance uh, against Sean Strickland. So it was um, not not an ideal set of circumstances. I don't know if you read in more to this about uh, the timing during, during his fight camp, but um, yeah, not, not a great uh, story here involving Israel Adesanya. On that note, we will uh, continue on collision on Saturday. I just want to uh, note that they, um, they were up against one college football game with Ohio state and uh, Notre Dame that did, 10 and a half million viewers across NBC's platform. So when we get the collision number on Tuesday, keep that in mind that they were against a monster uh, college game. And uh, you can go uh, listen to collision course from Saturday with John Ceno and Kate from Montreal. But uh, did you get to see the Texas death match way? I certainly did. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about there being too much wrestling when there's something that looks like it's a special thing and um, something that, 
seems to be of the quality of what they what came before this i absolutely made time for it um i thought it was very good you know i thought it was an appropriate follow-up i didn't think it was as good as their first match together but man for tv i thought it that, was, that was one of the best matches of the year they were yeah. coming off it was almost like they had handicapped themselves like i i love this texas death match like mm-hmm. i agree the strat match was in a different stratosphere but man this these two are fantastic together and i I love the the setup for the finish with the chain around the knee. I've got to say, I, I thought this was w- like one of the better beginning to ending collisions um, that that they produced. I just thought this was a really entertaining show. I enjoyed Jay White and Andrade a lot. The workhorsemen had in a five minute match, they were able to have, uh, I thought, a mm-hmm. great performance great in a very limited amount of time. It was a good use of Rob Van Dam, who is mm-hmm. not that far from uh, you know his where he was born it was it was a very entertaining show overall i think they continue to find ways to make collision feel like it's it's yeah you know what i i wouldn't have said that maybe about the week prior but like this episode felt like a real good bounce back for you know your average aw um viewer who had already seen four hours up until this point your fifth and sixth hours of of aw television throughout this week um i thought they they managed to make it feel worthwhile when they finished rampage the two-hour Rampage and Excalibur is signing off. Thank you for tuning in to this special Grand Slam edition of Rampage. We're back tomorrow night for two more hours. I was it's like, crazy. I know that's when they're coming back, but just to hear it is like, this is insane. You mm-hmm. just finished it. We're going to do it all again tomorrow night. It's crazy. Um, Wrestle Dream. So this is the latest card. I- I've got to say, like, this is, even by AEW standards, this is shaping up to be one of the best cards of the year. We have Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack is not, uh, after uh, Sunday's Destruction show, he's not on any more New Japan shows until Royal Quest. So he is free from now uh, all week long if they want to uh, bring him in on Wednesday or Saturday before the pay-per-view. FTR against Aussie Open. Jericho will now team with Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi against Takeshita, Sammy Guevara, and Will Ospreay. Eddie Kingston against Shibata for the ROH and New Japan Strong titles. A four-way with the Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers, Orange Cassidy and Hook, and the Guns. Chris Statlander against Julia Hart for the TBS title. Christian Cage against Darby, two out of three falls for the TNT title. MJF and Adam Cole, which they are still promoting. There has been no word on Adam Cole, but they're pushing this with the Righteous for the ROH tag titles. And Hangman Page against Swerve. So nine matches so far for Seattle. I've got to say this is a very deep card for Sunday. We will see what the response is coming back to pay-per-view, but I mean, AEW, they have been able to show that wherever interest is the week out, um, they have done some really great last weeks going into uh, all in all Mm -hmm. out and last week's grand slam. And they've got uh, five hours of TV this week to build up wrestle drink. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if this show does well, I think it bodes incredibly well for maybe a a perceived desire to, you know, bump up the pay-per-view schedule to 12 a month. Um, If if you've got all out, like trending around 95,000 buys, what would mm -hmm. be a a week out, like what you would peg WrestleDream at? I think given the bit of extra space, um, I think there's a bit more of sort of like a clamoring for, um, you know, or maybe an ability to stomach, you know, paying whatever you're paying for a pay-per-view, you know, just having being distanced a a little bit further. So 
I'm I'm going to say north of 100 for this one, and I think that that should be considered a success. At that this level. is also going. This is the first time they're going on a Sunday night against the NFL for a pay per view, as I can recall, and I don't know how much of an impact that's going to have on on top of it as well. Does um, it surprise you that um they didn't? You know, they're they're pushing forward with uh, not having MJF um do a singles bout and um. Would it be seen as a sign of success? You have two pay per views now back to back without a world title defense. Well, I wouldn't. Like, how do you view that number for for all out? Is that a success for you? Like, if if it finishes at ninety five thousand buys the week after your biggest show ever, to me, um, given like the like what I perceive to be a handicap by being so close to all in, I would consider ninety five to be success. Yeah, I would. I would not look at 95 as a success for this show. Um, mm. But I, you know, the, the numbers like the 140 range that a lot of these shows have been doing again, I, it would take like a big momentum shift this week for me to think like this would be within shooting range of 140. And it, listen, if they can do a healthy number without MJF in a featured spot, but to me, it's, it is diminishing your, your biggest program and your biggest star at, at the moment on, this pay-per-view like whether cole is ready to go or not for this pay-per-view i don't know if these two against the righteous is adding any business to this show oh i don't think it is at all but would you say it's diminishing mjf's maybe status or is it protecting him so that next time he does wrestle it feels like a big deal i mean at that point it's like is it's an interesting strategy. Like they're last time, I mean, last time and this time, they're deliberately not having a world title defense. And instead they're using something like Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. as its its main event. Um, you, you know, very similar to what they did for Forbidden Door. You could argue that like, you know, not having MJF wrestle at Forbidden Door probably wouldn't have affected that card that, that much, in my opinion. Um, but the fact that you, you know, can try this, I think we'll tell you a whole lot about what the appetite is for just, you know, great wrestling, regardless of whether or not the world champion is wrestling. Well, live live attendance and pay-per-view buys don't always correlate, but at least from Mm -hmm. a ticket selling perspective, Danielson and Zach, even in Danielson's, uh, you know, pseudo home market, like home market, we should say it's from Aberdeen. It's not knocking them dead at like 5,300 tickets. Like this is a big arena, the climate pledge arena. It's way down from, when they debuted in the market at the beginning of the year so that that's all we can judge it on now it's not Mm. as though this is like they're they're selling a crazy amount of of tickets but again i'm i'm at least um wanting to see what this final week push is because this company has shown a great ability to do the last minute hype job for big shows and they they have a like i'm really looking forward to this show on on sunday like in ring I think this could be one of the better shows of the year. It has the potential to be mm-hmm. uh, new, new Japan's destruction in Kobe. Um, again, you can go listen to Karen and uh, Bruce Lord. I got to see the top two matches. Uh, Will Ospreay and Yoda Suji, I thought was excellent with Osprey. It's like the weekly Will Ospreay match. He's like, had an amazing summer. Oh, just like last week we were talking about Marafuji in the slot. And this week it was Yoda Suji. Um, Yoda Suji to me is just right on the precipice of he needs that big win. It didn't have to be this one uh, against uh, Will Ospreay. But my God, um, this was uh, just an outstanding match that that the two had and highlighted at the end where um, I, I don't know about the Gene Blast as the name for his spear. 
don't know if you want to get hit by the gene blast, but um, he did uh, kick out of the Storm Driver 93, and then it was a Hidden Blade and Stormbreaker that kept him down 2751 that this show that this match went. And this was one of those matches where I when when it was done, it certainly did not feel like I just sat here for a half hour to watch this match. But man, I really loved afterward too, where Osprey just got on the mic and he could not have put this guy over more. Like, man, you yeah. are amazing. Uh, like he was in awe of, of this dude. And then they set up him and Zach for Royal quest three, which um, Zach's going to have quite the uh, couple of weekends coming up too. Uh, he's going to be doing a lot of traveling back and forth. Um, I really loved the um, promo in ring with Zach and Will Osprey after this main event where these two Brits yeah. came out and spoke entirely in Japanese with each other. And I I don't, I probably, you know, certainly better than Japanese than I'll ever be able to speak, but um, um, maybe not like, you know, the Chris Charlton level, but nonetheless, getting, getting through the scene with these two only speaking a foreign language, I thought spoke a whole lot about, I think um, their reverence for, you know, these Japanese audiences, as well as just kind of like eh, how clever the both of them are creatively. Yeah. The crazy part about the broadcast was Kevin Kelly did collision from mm-hmm. eight till 10 and at 3 a.m. He's on the the remote broadcast with Chris Charlton. So this guy must have just gone the, the whole night and called this show afterwards. So, I mean, you certainly can't accuse this guy of just like uh, dogging it before he passes over the, the microphone. Assume assuming um, he didn't have decaf that night. No, no, he was just taking like a monster energy drink right to his veins uh, yeah, to, to go right. through this. I mean, th- this would have been like he was probably on his like hotel Wi-Fi uh, mm. from, from like he probably I would have been nervous as hell if I was relying on hotel Wi-Fi to do a four hour broadcast in the middle of the night across the world. Well, I only watched the main event. I didn't hear his audio go out really at all. So I, 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 I he hope. sounded fine. Like it was, they had way more problems during the pandemic with like audio. I, di- I didn't hear any, but I didn't watch the entire card. I, I, I mean, I'd love to know this, like where he got that Wi-Fi. That's the number one question I have. Maybe yes. got a nice, nice, uh, nice hookup. Maybe they got him an ISDN line after all these years. So though that'd be really Maybe. pricey. Um. Yes, and then uh, and Tetsuya Naito beat Jeff Cobb. Really entertaining final few minutes with all these cool transitions, but the expected outcome, Naito wins to set up, well, providing Sonata beats Evil at the October 9th show at Rio Goku, it'll be Tetsuya Naito challenging Sonata. And uh, that is the tentative main event for Wrestle Kingdom, which is, you've got the story there, but mm. I imagine that this, I could certainly see this Wrestle Kingdom you could do the Danielson Okada rematch. You could do uh, Kenny Omega coming over. Like, I, I really, really think this is going to be a Wrestle Kingdom that it's Naito and Sonata maybe go on last, but I don't feel it's going to be the main event, the quote unquote main event. Yeah, I, at this point, I'm I'm fully expecting Osprey versus Omega to have their third match at um at Wrestle Kingdom, and certainly to most audiences um on this side of the ocean, that's going to be the main event. But locally, I you know, Mike, I could see it, you know, Naito and, and Sonata being more for a Japanese local crowd. And the last thing here are the ratings notes from Friday. SmackDown did two million two hundred twenty-seven thousand viewers, point six three in the demo. So this was the uh, the come down from the Rock effect. It was still a good number, two point two million. Um, they were down thirteen percent in viewership, and they were going against two college games on ESPN and FS1. But SmackDown number one by a significant amount in uh, sports programming for the night. Peak quarter was EO 
and Asuka at uh, 2,370,000 viewers, that coming from WrestleNomics. Uh, but the peak in the demo was the last 15 minutes and the destruction of John Cena and AJ Styles. Rampage, the two-hour edition of the show, so the two hours itself did 341,000 viewers and a .12 in the demo. Um, the first hour, 374,000 viewers fell to 309,000 for hour two. Big spike in women across all demos this week. And it was down from last year where the, the Grand Slam special, they hit 522,000 viewers. So 522 to 341 this year. So that that's more than just um, less homes having uh, TNT. But uh, and a point one seven in the demo last year, it was a big first quarter and a drop from there. And uh, actually, in the eighteen to forty nine number, the low end was uh, a tie between uh, two quarters, including your main event uh, with the uh, the Hung Bucks winning the trios titles as well. Did you get to see much of a Rampage Grand Slam? Unfortunately, not. Yeah, it was a it was a swing in the miss for for Grand Slam. Uh, but something that is a Grand Slam offer for all of you out there that never misses when it swings is NordVPN. Yes, John. Very nicely done. It is my privilege to once again show some love to our sponsors at NordVPN. It's a service I use every day to keep my online browsing secure and encrypted, of course, but primarily I use it to sign up for services that I can't get in my local lovely country of Canada, such as AEW Plus on Fight. It is by far the best way to consume AEW programming because unlike certain um, local apps that we have to use to watch AEW Collision. I can start, rewind Dynamite Collision and Rampage even on a delay. I can watch the entire archive of any AEW TV pro- broadcast that I, uh, whenever I want to. I can even cast it off my laptop or my phone to my TV through Chromecast or Apple AirPlay. It is honestly even far easier and way less of a hassle than uh, my experience with pirated websites, certainly. And perhaps the biggest benefit. Uh, in time for this weekend, it allows me to purchase AEW pay-per-views at half the price. For instance, you can buy this weekend's Wrestle Dream for $39.99 in the U.S., but if you sw- simply switch your location over to the, to the U.K., you could purchase the pay-per-view for $19.99 U.S. And if you're actually signed up, and if you're actually signed up to AEW Plus, it's actually even cheaper at $15.99. So uh, this is what I do every time there's an AEW pay-per-view. A standard Two-year plan with Nord costs $3.08 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. So it's already paid for itself many times over. I've also done this with Netflix, F1 TV. Apparently, you can also try this with flights, hotel bookings, and car rentals as well. It is incredibly easy to use either on desktop or through your phone. You can download the Nord app, sign into your account. Choose the country you want to connect to, and that is it. So sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling where you can get a bonus Four months on top of all two-year plans. They've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee, which I highly doubt that you will be needing. Again, $3.08 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling or check the link in the show description and do us a favor. Sign up with our link, get yourself a bonus month, uh, four bonus months, I should say, and let them know that you found out about us through post. And send way a thank you. The man saving you money that you're just like, wait a minute, what? You're welcome, everybody. Raw tonight, we go to the Toyota Center, the Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. This this would have been the night for uh, Maxine Dupree to uh, break out her, her finisher once again. 
the Toyota the, Arena. The my yeah, the Miami Toyota tribute. She hasn't done it since. I mean, she hasn't she has, wrestled. She since. has not wrestled since. You're right. Well, maybe she's practicing. Maybe you got to go to the house shows to see the. Uh... God, that was months ago when it, that was like before SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, over eight thousand people, according to WrestleTix, and and they are making more of a point now. To, maybe it's like uh, like there when there's a sellout. They're making it very clear it's a sellout on, mm-hmm. on the broadcast and smart for them to do it. They should be promoting it. It certainly sounded like it, Ty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. Uh, maybe Michael Cole start giving us the drop count. <laughs> the turnstile count. Yeah, maybe. Cody starts the show, noting the show is sold out, and he brings up that in exchange for Jey Uso, someone has to go to SmackDown. So that story is revived. It has not been forgotten about, and we are <laughs> SmackDown is being ultra patient. Well, um, negotiations take time. Is this how it would work for a sports team where I could like trade for a franchise player? And it's like, um, are you guys going to trade someone back? Patience. Okay. Patience. Give us a, give us a few months and we'll send Mm -hmm. someone back in time for you. So, uh, he says that he brought Jay here and he knows it led to a disgruntled locker room, but he wasn't going to let Jay sink and we might not be best friends. And there might be other reasons that I want Jay here. And he gives a sly comment that we're not in the third inning anymore, boys. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is our, our first kind of subtle reference to Cody's plot. I mean, this is only a line that if you had heard Paul Heyman speak at that press conference or if you had heard reports about it afterwards that only you would understand, right? But it's speaking exactly to the audience that I think cares about this long-term story for Cody, the audience that has followed him over from AEW, the hardcore wrestling fan that, you know, is... This was planting a seed that if you miss, you miss, and if you got it, you got it. I thought it was a very smart way of saying he basically, you know, still has his eye on finishing his story, and his story ends with Roman Reigns' championship reign, reign ending. And I thought it logically worked with this explanation about why he brought Jay over here as well. He's basically saying that I brought Jay over here to help defeat Roman. Maybe he's going to volunteer to send himself to SmackDown. And this is his plan. Well, he'd have to join the negotiations, I guess. He calls judgment day, the most toxic faction in wrestling history, which I don't know. I think wrestling history would probably give judgment day a run for their money. Yeah. Judgment Day comes out once again. No Rhea Ripley. So she, this this was a hell of an annihilator that she took. I sent her all the way back to Australia, from what I can tell. <laughs> that's that's a hell of an annihilator. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you wake up in another continent, squashed. There was so much heat here for Dominic. I mean, th- this crowd they were um, they they certainly enhanced everything Dominic was involved with on on tonight's show. And uh, Cody brings up, what is Rhea going to say when she returns? And Dominic gets upset at this. Jay comes out as backup, followed by Zayn and Owens. And as Judgment Day is backing up, JD McDonough comes out, hands a chair to Balor, and they charge the ring, and they all get beaten. And it's left with Damien alone in the ring, and all four babyfaces destroy Damien Priest. So JD's plan um, blew up in his face, and this would be our our three-hour drama of the judgment day. Are they falling apart? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you watch the segment, 
to justify how they would have been beaten up in a four on four situation with the heels actually having chairs, they basically had Damien hesitate to to join the three of them, right? And that's what led to the four on three beatdown. So Damien really has no real ground to stand on. Like he was the reason why his team got beaten. Up. He didn't want to be called a coward like Drew McIntyre. He had to get in there. <laughs> I thought it was a good first segment. Cody sounded really good. Gave us again a subtle reminder of his intent to end Roman streak. So those of you worried, well, I guess the Rock uh, might threaten it, but um, uh, at the moment he's still keeping it alive. He's still keeping those hopes up. Um, it seems like we're going to get an eight-man tag at Fastlane. That's what it seems like. I, it, yeah, because you know, if it, we weren't so far away from Survivor Series, I would have said this was like a great build for War Games. You know, but we're too far away from it, I think. Yeah, this one seemed to get like your four on four set up and mm. I, none of these guys have anything set up for the pay-per-view. So I could see this being fast lane, mm. um, which we are very much in the slow lane when it comes to building out a card for the show. I mean, there, we're, we've got two matches after tonight for that show. We have one and a half matches. Yeah, we have one and a half because Cena's uh, as of now is going at it alone. Yeah. Mm. Otis and uh, Bronson Reed. This was uh, Sorry. this was one of my favorite four and a half minute matches on Raw this year. Okay, these two big guys had a match where they were just going to pound one another, and it was like big man versus big man. And I I thought this was great. I was actually disappointed it ended as early as it did, and neither guy would come off their feet. Uh, finally, they do these running clotheslines to knock one another off balance. Otis does a somersault into a discus clothesline, which <laughs> it was Michael Cole that says uh, Otis uh, using some Lucha influence here. <laughs> um, and uh, mm-hmm. then the Caterpillar connects, goes for the Otis bomb. It misses. And with that, Reed hits a senton and tsunami in 425. Um, match of the year candidate for me. <laughs> I, I enjoyed this a lot. I thought this was a really fun match. Yeah, maybe we should have an award for best beat on um on this end of year awards they were uh, not, not chanting meat at these two so they did not have they did not have the miro hobbs effect did not no and i'd probably still give the edge to to that one if we're going to pick best meat of uh, 2023 but the match was great i think gave the audience exactly what they were looking for with these two a bit of spectacle with reed lifting otis for that samoan drop and then of course the caterpillar and then the tsunami um i thought it went the exact length that a match like this should for a tv match there was not one dull moment and this crowd was alive the entire time what are they building Bronson Reed for? Could, could I would he be Rollins' next opponent. Oh, that's a man. He he feels way too cold for that. But I mean, as like a one-off, just to kind of like you know get another notch notch under a Rollins' belt, I I could see it. I could have sworn that they were building up. Gunther has like eighty-five opponents that they are building up for him, and I yeah. don't feel Reed needs to be the next one. Oh no, especially with him being a heel. So I thought they were going to do Gable versus read again with gable winning this time before gable challenges gunther but it it seems like he has no intention of challenging reed again despite losing to him yeah they certainly did not indicate that uh later it seems to be like gable is going to feud with imperium his goal is still gunther but it felt like reed like this was just reed getting wins over both of them and i would think that reed perhaps he's rollins next opponent but they're certainly Mm -hmm. heating him up for something of of note yeah Becky Lynch meets with Tegan Knox. This this was great. Tegan, where were you last week for the open challenge? I had you in mind. Like, yeah, I think I think everyone did last week. And she said that Natalia was at the curtain and jumped ahead of her and 
Tegan deferred to Natty because she's the veteran. And Becky says, you got to step on some toes around here, Tegan. For Christ's sake, you've had zero singles matches on Raw since you were drafted here. No one <laughs> even knows you're still here. Yeah. And I looked up your cage match. Yeah. Um, so Tegan, um, yeah, you probably had a lot of people um, searching her on cage match to figure out who this was because this has been a ghost on Raw since the draft. And for a long time before that as well, when she was on SmackDown. But this was great. Like, this was literally like she was at the curtain and then there was a change of plans and Natalia got the shot, which is kind of how it went. Like, this was not too far removed from reality. Mm-hmm. In Adam Pierce's office, he's on the phone and is saying, it's not finalized who is going to SmackDown. And I wanted to know who he was talking to. Um, Like, was he Nick- leaving himself a voicemail? Maybe Ari or Nick Khan. You know, I'm sure they're very concerned. Oh, I would love Adam Pierce and Nick Khan. Nick, we don't know who we're going to be sending over to SmackDown. It's (laughs) tough. It's tough. You see, there's going to be a 1.5x return on Jey Uso. (laughs) We can't go that way. What what is Fox going to do? Um, So anyway, uh, this mystery uh, phone call. Maybe he was on the phone with a... um, Scripps, the anonymous guy. I don't think he's Scripps anymore, is he? He is Scripps. He's still Scripps. Yeah. Unmasked. Yeah. Okay. Knox comes in. She wants the winner of Becky and Tiffany Stratton, um, based on her win-loss record, obviously. Natalia walks in. She wants a rematch, too, coming off a loss. I mean, compelling arguments here for, for both of these two. So Pierce makes a match between these two, and the winner will get the winner of Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton and Natalia uh, says she has more passion and Tegan Knox showed that she had passion and screamed at Natty. And it ended with Natalia doing the Jim Neidhart line of, I hope you get hungry and forget your manners. That's that's, that is right. Yes. A legendary quote from, from hey, wrestling, with, wrestling shadows. with shadows. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is an episode where Tegan Knox, I mean, had a role <laughs> she was on the show you know and but even beyond that i felt like this was a lot more substantial than what she even had before her um i don't know la- latest absence like she has a storyline you know for the first time really in quite a while and she had speaking lines and clearly i think the time off um she was just told to be a lot more intense both on the mic and also in ring and i thought she sounded good here you know full of fire in this little exchange with natalia so um hope she can make the most of this airtime so this could lead to the battle of the Noxes. Cool. We've got uh, Rebecca. No- oh, you're right. That was yeah. her name. Yeah. The battle the of the Noxes. Am I right? Maybe. Yeah, that was her. Is that her real name? Let me see. Becky Lynch. Now I'm blanking. <laughs> her real name is Rebecca Quinn, but did she? Was she? Who's Rebecca Knox? Yeah, she used to be. Re- re- That's re- what I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah. That wasn't her real name. It was the working name. Well, so maybe they're know. related. Maybe you they're know, sisters. It could be. We haven't gotten to that part of the story yet. We, we've never met Tegan before. That so would have been, that, wouldn't that's that week two. That would have been a really nice character for Tegan Knox, right? I'm your sister. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tommaso Ciampa. I'm tired. I, I just <laughs> fully coughing too. I'm very tired. Tommaso Ciampa and Ludwig Kaiser. Um, so this this was uh Chomp, I believe, was in the, the least watched match in Raw history last week. So they put him in the first hour this week. Uh Gunther Gunther's not even coming out for this uh for this quarter hour. He's gonna sit and watch this in the back, sends Vinci out. 
Uh, Champa sends Kaiser into the steps, hits the Willow's Bell, only a two count. Fairy tale ending is countered. And then there's an inverted DDT by Champa, and he nails Vinci with a knee strike when he gets onto the apron. And Kaiser hits the Inzaguri, but the referee is dealing with Vinci. So Kaiser comes over and he just kicks Vinci out of the ring, turns around, blasted by a knee strike, and Champa wins in 822. And Champa yells to Gunther, sign the damn contract. It's like, there's a contract? There's Where are we here? We haven't even had like any negotiation. Some matches have contracts. Some matches are, have open challenges. Well, so. we got the craziest setup for a contract signing next week. It's going to be Gunther and Ciampa. When will the match take place? Cole says, eventually, Gunther is going to defend the title against Ciampa. And next week, we're going to do the contract signing. <laughs> So it's not even for Fastlane. They haven't even flat out said it's for Fastlane. Like, I assume that's when it'll be. But they said, eventually, he's going to face him. You're just going to sign a contract. It could be for DDT in November on the under. (laughs) Well, listen, a lot of of negotiation needs to take place before those details are mapped out. But I thought it was a good match. Kaiser, I think, is great. Champa is being booked very logically if you're trying to set him up for an IC title run. But, man, they have a long way to go in order to change people's perceptions that this guy has any sort of like chance at being even a serious player for the IC title. Um, he's just really kind of starting from zero right now. And I, uh, I, do, I don't know how much, how serious people are going to take him by the time the match comes along. But what I'm looking for is the match to be great. And maybe for people to start paying attention to him after the match. Tegan Knox and Natalia. So this, uh, as we mentioned, this is not, this is Tegan's first singles match on Raw. This is her second match on Raw ever. <laughs> and uh, Knox, very aggressive and had to be because they gave them no time here. She misses the world's shiniest wizard. And Natalia hits her with this beautiful sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. Goes for the sharpshooter. Tegan avoids shiniest wizard and wins in 238 as Becky holds up the belt. And this was like, I was watching it on like 8x the speed because they had to do this match Get Tegan over, set up this uh, this like angle with Becky at the end, holding up the title, and and Becky was on commentary for this as well. So, mm-hmm. um, had could, no time to waste. Certainly could have used a bit more time to, to tell a better story, but I could see them being you know timid about doing that because who's Tegan Knox? Nobody knows the who person who's challenging for this title next week. Well, this is an open challenge, but you're right. Like again, I'm not looking for the title match to be any sort of significant like ratings grab, but hopefully they could be launching pads for something actually, you know, of substance for Tegan Knox. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, in one week, you're only going to make this so interesting. Um, but you know, she had a speaking role, so this was overall a, a, a big positive. She increased oh, her value by like 300%, I think. Yes. In her autobiography that comes out in 15 years, it'll be September 25th, 2023. I spoke. Damian Priest, he's pissed and yells at JD, you're not in the judgment day. You'll never be in this group and kicks him out of the room. And this guy just takes a lot of abuse, but just keeps coming back. He's like Panini with WWE. <laughs> Is this a metaphor for the Panini WWE potential? It's definitely dispute? getting their aggression. But I mean, it okay. was Panini ended up you know, being the difference maker in the end tonight. Well, okay. There's no real movement in the actual case, but you're saying um, the metaphorical no. Panini. No, um, there's no, uh, apparently the, the injunction WWE attempted was uh, struck down. So there's, there's okay. going to be the, the case is moving forward. Yeah. All right. Well, I like that metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> JD Panini. Seth Rollins starts the second hour. The time for games are over. And 
He says, if you don't name the time and place for this title match, I'm pulling the title opportunity. It's like, wouldn't this be your first? Like, you have the leverage in this situation. You have the title. And if you're willing to take the title match away, this could have been instant. When the first time this guy turned down the title match, F off. You're not getting a title match then. Instead, we've dragged this out for weeks where you have, as the champion, are at the mercy of your challenger. And tonight you're stating, eh, only one title shot. I could take this away. I, I can assume that Seth didn't come up with this reverse psychology plan until two, three weeks into this feud. He's like, oh, what if I tried this? This was, yeah, some smart negotiating tactics. Maybe maybe Seth Rollins took a note from the uh, the Writers Guild. Yeah, what's the latest on that? Did they figure that out? It's the writer's strike. They've they've reached a tentative agreement, but the the screen act or the screen actors guild are still on strike. But it right. seems like this will be that will be less contentious. They think mm-hmm. they will, you know, get a get a deal. But the writers are sorted out. Three year deal. Right. Did the writers respond with subtitles? They wrote um, subtitles. You know what? WWE could say, look look at all the writers that we are employing for this segment here. Mm-hmm. We are now incorporating subtitles. Hiring a person just to be Shinsuke Nakamura's promo person mm-hmm. for our non-unionized workers. So Nakamura appears on screen. He wants to be the straw that breaks Seth's back. Your stamina is admirable, but you have no patience. You showed me all your cards, and he has chosen a match so brutal and barbaric that Seth will never walk again. Your daughter will be ashamed to look at you, and I will stand tall. You will never stand again. I am challenging you to a paralysis match. It's a last man standing match at Fastlane. And Seth, <laughs> all these weeks, he never thought this was an option. This this was so out of left field. And Seth is just dumbfounded. And he said, man, you played it perfectly. Except there's one mistake. And I'm hoping Wade can explain this to me. His broken back is not a weakness. It's a strength. In what universe is a broken back a strength? Even a metaphorical strength. What strength is your okay. broken back in this combat? <laughs> I believe he's trying to suggest that it's given him extra motivation. You know, like you, you know how, like you know, sometimes, like okay, like a, a fighter is is up against, you know, like I don't know, losing his championship. It's like the fifth round with like two minutes to go. Michelle okay, Watterson like- was very motivated if you watch <laughs> that fight where she was obliterated in round one, and you know what happened in round two. She, she was lost. stopped. Okay. Well, maybe bad example, but okay. Have you ever like done, um, have you ever handed, uh, or worked on a, a homework assignment with only like, I don't know, a broken hand. <laughs> no, with only like a, I'm motivated to write this essay with my broken hand. Well, okay. He, Seth Rollins is saying the handicapped is, is making him more focused and it's making him more determined. And he's got more will willpower because he doesn't want to disappoint his family. That that's all he's saying. I mean, is it just you know some nonsensical bravado um, that he has to use to motivate himself p- potentially? But to him, he's he thinks it makes sense. If you law, if you went out to a like jujitsu contest, okay, okay, yeah, and you got tapped, I had a, bro- a broken hand. Okay, you you come into this with like a broken arm to a jujitsu. Yeah, I'm Roger Gracie, and you still manage to lose. Okay. Do you think your son would be ashamed Jacques, of you? Sorry. Do you think your family would turn on you? <laughs> I'd be very disappointed if my family turned on me for such a um, meaningless 
It's like, what, this is how know. you're going to define our relationship is that I lost the world heavyweight title to Shinsuke Nakamura and my family is disappointed in me. Yeah, so you don't know their style of parenting. You know, they could be a very results-based um, type of uh, set of parents. A lot of pressure. Um, well, that's how you build greatness. I guess he's carving away. Mm-hmm. So he accepts the match and uh, and they did show on uh, on the WWE uh, Twitter their ex account, the uh, Becky's reaction to this, and she's just standing there with like a stoic look on her face, like reacting to Seth. <laughs> I didn't listen to it; I didn't turn the volume on, but it looked rather hilarious. Interesting, yeah, interesting. I, I mean, that seems it, it, that's like something that that they, that they could have put on TV. And if um, if they were, I, I I think the time has passed. I'm no longer thinking like a Nakamura title reign should be entertained, but there would be a great story of like Becky throwing in the towel of of this whole thing right right they seem pretty hesitant to like you don't want to involve the two characters together like i had to like i believe becky has about said it said as much you know um so maybe but they are they are like they're not intertwining on television but i mean Mm -hmm. they they did put up this this digital thing and it is part of the story but i also feel this is the end of the feud i think they are ready to wrap this one up it's Mm -hmm. overall i've enjoyed it but i mean I, i wish they got to like this character of nakamura years ago well i do have concerns about the longevity of like this sort of gimmick where like you could only talk to somebody through you know pre-produced video right like i don't see them spending the resources if this is a mid-card character like mm -hmm. they are going the extra mile because this is your one of your top programs they are getting the most you know more than any of us could have imagined with the uh, shinsuke nakamura title program i mean they're getting two really solid months out of this Mm -hmm. I think he has to have a just killer performance in, in this match because um, mm. I think if it's it's if it's of the level of the last match, I think this is going to be kind of Nakamura sliding right back to his older position. So what happens after this? OK, he's got this back injury and let's say Nak- uh, Rollins retains. He's going to have to work with this back injury for the rest of his run, doesn't he? You know, it doesn't heal itself. Maybe like, he'll go and get a magical uh, healing Process. stem cells maybe, maybe you'll get a um ddp yoga the 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 y strap have you seen that no where they exactly. where they adjust your your spine y strap yeah Mm-mm. go to uh look up y strap doc on how do you how do i spell wise why the letter y a y strap okay. yes well you know they're not sponsors right you know and, and we're very uh we're very uh oh F- selective about yeah, forget our sponsors, it forget but... it don't don't check them out at all Okay, I'm looking at this Y strap. Um, it looks like it's more for your neck than it yeah, is for. But it adjusts your spine. You oh. wrap it around your chin. This oh. is like the old uh, Harley race deal that he Harley used to like with a towel would do this to the guys. Oh, I bet you this feels awesome. It it goes right down your spine. Like or you could feel paralyze you. Yeah, you could do this for um like two hundred bucks in South Carolina. Okay, would you? Yeah, I would. I would. I would try it. Yeah. All right. And if not, I'd be I could be world heavyweight champion if he screws up my back. Dominic uh, Jackie is with uh, Ricochet, who uh, came all the way here to Ontario, California on crutches. And no matter who wins the last man standing match, he's got unfinished business with Nakamura. Dominic Mysterio, Dragon Lee for the North American Championship. Michael Cole, our Lucha expert, as I had to do a double take. Is that Mike Tanay? It's like, no, it's Mike Co- Michael Cole who uh, says, uh, Father Bestia Del Ring. 
catch him and Dralistico teaming up this weekend at Heroes in Moratales. Um, I bet you like Cole after these like broadcasts, he's just like he goes to his hotel room and he like, I don't know, he's eating his Chick-fil-A or something. And he's just scrolling Twitter to see like what internet nerds. nerds are just going crazy over his like <laughs> his little mentions. Yeah, he didn't mention uh, his brother's Dralistico or Roosh. Uh, well, Did you're not going to hear those names. Yeah. All right. Um, I thought Dragon Lee got over so well here in mm-hmm. this match. They had an awesome crowd for this. And it's not like the crowd was just hot for everything on this show. They got into this match in a big way. Uh, Dominic was a really great heel. Uh, there was one spot where he like lost his balance countering a power bomb, But this was um, overall got to showcase Dragon Lee really well. And sometimes it's it's very tough for the guy that comes up that is not like this huge personality that's just going to get over on moves and stuff for a WWE audience. Yeah. Um, but he got to do all his big stuff. Tope Kanhiro, a baseball side drop kick in the corner that was like every bit as vicious as like a, a Kenta version or a Shibata. Uh, leaping Rana over the top and sends Dominic to the floor and then a huge sit-out powerbomb. And dude, the crowd was all biting on these near falls gets crotched on the top rope, and then Dominic manages the frog splash in 10 minutes and 7 seconds. Wade Barrett puts this over. Might be the best performance of Dominic's career, and he wants to see more of Dragon Lee on Raw. I understand, like, there is a larger story with the Judgment Day, but I just thought with this, number one, you don't have this Mustafa Ali match on on Sunday. It's like, Mm -hmm. let's over-deliver something. You're doing this story that there's... Like the heat of Dominic's title reign is Rhea is always the insurance policy. He's got the out. She's not here tonight. Judgment Day is crumbling. And for Dominic to lose this title, this it just makes Dragon Lee in one show. This crowd would have gone insane. He could lose it this Sunday. And you just get right back to everything. And I just felt, listen, I, I know you have your stories and stuff, but I thought there was a great opportunity here with Dragon Lee because he got over more than I had expected he would in, in this match. And I thought this was a really great performance from him. I, I think what you suggest, suggested would, would have worked, certainly. Um, but I also think that they are, um, there's still like this sort of like pecking order in their heads of like, you know, a WWE main roster talent and then an NXT level talent that, you know, simply by being competitive with a WWE main roster talent should be enough of a, you know, moral victory for Dragon Lee. And I think you can argue that, yeah, like despite a loss, Dragon Lee was plenty, like gained a whole lot, a lot, you know, from from a match like this. Um, Judgment Day is the bigger story, and I think they wanted to maybe save a Dominic Mysterio loss for perhaps a, a bigger evening. I mean, it could be the Sunday even, you know. They have not announced whether or not a rematch is happening yet. I assume we'll, we'll understand that t- uh, tomorrow. I certainly can't see anybody else at this point that would be as attractive as, uh, you know. What's the story to get to the rematch? Like, he won this clean, basically. Well, listen. He, like wants, he, to, he wants to, to break to his. This. He wants to break his back and and paralyze him. You know, he wants to prove that his family, um, you know, is not proud of him. I don't know. They can say whatever they want to get to the rematch, right? Um, I thought these two killed it though tonight. You know, not only did, was this great for Dragon Lee, I thought this needed to be a really great representation of the quality of NXT and and modern NXT. Uh, and I thought these two killed it. They had the crowd with every move. For a guy making his debut, I thought Dragon Lee received one of the, one of the best reactions I've ever heard from a call-up. And I think that 
tells you a whole lot about just how special Dominic Mysterio is. He's a guy that you could put somebody in relatively cold and have the crowd completely going crazy for the other guy, you know, to want to see them beat Dominic. So um, I'm really impressed in ring with Dominic, too, to be honest with you. Let's not remember. This is a guy who's never worked any like promotions elsewhere. I don't even know if he would have worked at all in Mexico, um, but I thought he looked great in a match like this. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Jackie interviewed Owens and Zayn, and Owens explained he was not helping Jay earlier tonight, It's and Zayn explains it's about us, and our high point was winning the tag titles of WrestleMania, and we're taking back what's ours. Michael Cole brings out Nia Jax with her new theme music, and she is the baddest human in WWE. What a nickname. She squashed Rhea Ripley. I squashed Shayna Baszler. I squashed Zoe Stark. She just goes through all the women she's destroyed, and Sometimes you feel bad about people getting the what chance. She like catered her promo for the pauses for all of these what's. So she more than invited uh, these chants Mm -hmm. until Zoe Stark interrupts and gets right into her face and says, Jax attacked her with her back turned, try and do something to my face. So Nia just like pie faces her, slams her down, and we get an impromptu match between the two. Uh, which went all of three minutes where Stark did get in some offense with a missile drop kick, but this was all for Jax, who after Zoe lifts her onto her shoulders, Nia collapses on her back, leg drop onto the apron and annihilator, which will send uh, Zoe Stark to New Zealand and wins it in two fifty five. Yeah. Um, the first time hearing Nia cut a promo since her return, I didn't think it was a great promo by any means. Um, First singles match in two years. Wow. Um, Not a great promo. I didn't think it completely failed either. I think what you could say about her is that she at least, you know, has that immediate semi-comfort in front of a camera where she – I think she has a a certain, you know, proficiency in being able to, like, you know – speak loudly i guess you know um i thought it was speaks loud it was enough to make the character work and it established this this like new catchphrase she's trying to work on um squash you know like her the bonsai drop of course um it's okay i don't really see this being more than you know what a two-month program for ria and beyond that she's just going to be hopefully um we'll, we'll see i have no idea beyond they're building her up for Rhea Ripley and people will be negative about like Zoe Stark being the sacrificial lamb. But like once you're committed to like we're building this up like this is the way you book mm-hmm. Nia Jax to to set her up for this. Saxton catches up with Jay Uso. He's not joining any groups. He's not joining any emo bands either. He isn't going to do Cody like that. And he has beef with Owens. It is what it is. Sammy's still my dog and he's got his eye on Judgment Day tonight. So look out for Jay. Balor congratulates Dominic and said Priest had to go cool off to work tonight. So we don't know what the state of Damien is. 
Ms. TV with Drew McIntyre. And Ms. asks if he was a coward or a conflicted hero for not helping Jay Uso last week. And Ms. explains, I'm on your side for throwing Jay to the wolves. And Drew's explaining, you and I are nothing alike. And Ms. explains, we are. We are both backbones of this company. We became champions and brought up how Drew worked his way back to a title shot at Clash at the Castle. And Jay played a major role in derailing you, despite not being in attendance in Cardiff that night. And Drew explains, karma's a bitch. And Miz refers to Drew as the Batman of WWE, which makes Cody Superman. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with these analogies? Um, I don't know. Um, Cody as Superman? Matt Moss. Uh, wait, who's, who's Drew's uh, sidekick? It was... Uh, Robin. Yeah, oh, that was... Um, I was like, who would be Drew's Robin? I guess. Riddle. You're right. Yeah, they fired Robin. Hmm. Okay. We'll get a new one. You know, um, no mention of like him or Ali either on this show, like nothing to, Oh, I, I wouldn't have expected it. Like riddle is, I don't know how deeply involved he was already gone for like a week anyway. And he wasn't necessarily involved in any sort of like dangling threads either, other than like being, you know, in a semi tag team with drew that they, do, do you agree with dropping. that? Or is there, is there some rational reason, like from a storytelling perspective, like, I, think, I, I find it really lazy the way they just like a character's gone. Are we just of the assumption everyone knows what the deal is? In this case, I would say say so. Like, I, I think um, either that or like you just don't care. Right. You know, like if the if Riddle was announced for a world championship match at the upcoming pay-per-view. Yeah, I think you would have to make. OK, Ali was announced for a championship match at the next pay-per-view. Uh, but it's NXT and it's like I don't think it's that big of a, a deal. You know, like how many people. I think I explain it tomorrow. There's not going to refer to this match that we have. Maybe we'll explain tomorrow on NXT. They might actually explain it. But to a raw audience that I don't know if how many would have been aware that Ali was even in NXT. I, I would was expecting them well um batman is interrupted by the new day and new day state that drew acted like a coward last week and we used to call you big d but you showed a lot of shrinkage last week so then miz refers to big d and he is massive miz and so miz was just the punchline here constantly being told to shut up by drew uh, and Drew is explaining that Cody was just trying to clean up his own mess last week. No, it's all the beatdowns the Usos gave the New Day, and you guys have never stood up for yourselves to him. And Kofi says, we look up to you to do the right thing. And then finally, Miz is hit with a Glasgow kiss, and Drew challenges Kofi. I've got to say, up until this point, I think Drew, like, w- what is there to boo drew mcintyre over this is a man that was wronged by jay uso he's not gonna have this guy's back fair play i mean well baby faces do the right thing okay what would batman do in this situation he'd go and help the innocent person even if it was a former criminal okay he clearly like you know they they all believe jay uso is reformed enough that he deserves a second chance and drew did not do what heroes should do. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I think this guy had a good head on his shoulders. It sounds like you. You might be a supervillain yourself. Could be. Maybe. Maybe. I thought this was really good stuff. You know, they're continuing to do like a really good job of slowly inching Drew closer and closer to the dark side. And Miz 
was great as an actor or was great in the feud against LA Knight. He was not great in ring. So to see him kind of like revert back to this talk show host role, I think is um, the best use of the Miz. I thought Kofi and Woods also had some of the most interesting roles since they came back. They are basically the angels on the side of Drew's shoulder um, compared to the Miz, you know, um, on the other. Right. And I think they're really good at expressing their disappointment for him in, again, not doing what, a hero should be doing. And I think Drew has been great in, at trying to express like, mm, he's a got a rational explanation. Like he's not yeah. just has some crazy paranoia. It's like, this is all, uh, this is a logical road to this uh, change in Drew McIntyre. You like, can you tell, understand his motivation. You can tell why he's torn. He's torn, but he is leaning towards resentment. He's leaning towards anger and bitterness. And uh, I think it's just it's strong storytelling for pro wrestling. I also want to say Miz is like the most unselfish performer in these segments. Like there is no <laughs> ego. He's the total punchline and he knows exactly what his role is here, which is just to enhance Drew as the tough guy. And I am the butt of the joke. And he plays it wonderfully. Yeah. We also got continued teases at uh, not just, you know, Drew and Jay, of course, but Drew and Cody down the line as well. That's right. Yeah, where it's like subtle shots at Cody. Mm-hmm. Alpha Academy's in the back, and Gable says, Don't worry, Otis, we'll study the tape and learn. Kaiser comes in telling Maxine, We hold ourselves to a higher standard. You guys celebrate a loss. And Gable, who's dialing up the comedy more and more in the, these promos, uh, tells him he lost and he still has his eyes on the icy title. Tell that to Gunther, and I'm going to suplex my way back to a, a title match. Yeah, it seems like he's just going after Gunther. I thought he would be, you know, avenging the loss to Reed first. If he doesn't, it brings a lot of questions about why Reed had to beat Gable. Drew and Kofi, they went at 12 and a half minutes. And uh, Michael Cole got into this in a big way. He started calling this a classic as uh, Drew hits a forearm, sending him to the floor and the inverted Alabama slam onto the apron. Claymore gets ducked and Kofi hits an SOS when Ivar shows up attacking Xavier Woods, still no Eric, and crushes Woods against the barricade. And Kofi is distracted, leading to a Claymore and Drew winning in 1237. And then they are aghast on commentary that Drew is only focused on winning. He showed no remorse. This prick. And Ivar continues the attack. And this is when Drew does show like a true heel tendency i can't defend he just watches kofi and leaves and ivar hit that moonsault once again this guy's gonna wreck his knees doing this thing every week but man he's uh he had a great performance last week and i'm really glad they had a follow-up this week because during this show i was thinking like with dragon lee i was like we just saw the last week's great performance from ivar and there was nothing and then he did show up here so i was glad that there was some follow-up there yeah, those matches happen. And like with Dragon Lee, we will forget it by Wednesday. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, I was glad Ivar got like a pretty big role here and got to showcase that amazing moonsault, which I think at this point should really be his finisher. Um, you know, sorry to his future self um, in, in you know, 10 years time, if, if that's the case. But still, like when you're trying to pick up the Viking Raiders into some sort of significant role after years of doing nothing. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give up, you know, a mortgage of a few years of proper walking in order to, to get there. Um, 
Kofi, I thought, was a really good opponent for Drew tonight. He is such a great underdog. And in this match, I thought Drew was able to showcase his size and style that kind of made him look like a bully in this match. So even within the match itself, before the angle, I thought he came across a lot more heelish. Um, Very effective use, I thought, for everybody tonight. Yeah, and crowd got into it uh, as well with the near falls and such. Gunther's yelling at Vinci and Kaiser. So now Vinci is Kaiser's problem. Gunther says that... I will take care of my responsibility as greatest IC champion, and I will beat Ciampa myself. And if Vinci screws up, he's your problem. And if you screw up, Kaiser, it's we'll have a problem. Mm-hmm. Seemed like they were st- like this was this is you know picking back up like whatever that they they were trying this thing with like um, Vinci and then Kaiser like kind of being um, you know ineffective or uh, just incompetent like months back. And then they dropped it, and now they're picking it back up again. So I don't know what it's, what it's leading to, but um, Gunther is really good at playing this sort of, like, angry boss. And we went to break, and Michael Cole teed up that coming up next, it's the tag title matches, the Judgment Day take on Kevin Owens and this new character, Sammy Owens. <laughs> Sammy Owens. Hmm. Yeah. So now they're a brother tag team, officially. Ivar and Valhalla <laughs> are interviewed in the back, and... Basically, this is an eye for an eye. They took Eric out, so we're going to kill Kofi. Mm. So more of this to come. Next week, it will be either Becky Lynch or Tiffany Stratton defending the NXT women's title against Tegan Knox and a contract signing between Gunther and Ciampa with Gunther eventually defending the IC title against him. So I look forward to this contract that will read eventually with Ciampa's name on it as well. So that is uh, San Jose next Monday. Finn Balor and Damian Priest against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This was the last half hour of the show. Undisputed tag titles being defended. We went through a pair of commercial breaks and crowd got into Zayn once he got the hot tag. And Michael Cole says, this whole show has been awesome. As the crowd is chanting, this is awesome. Uh, Owens hit a rolling fireman's carry off the turnbuckle to Balor. Swanton lands on the knees and allows Balor to hit the coup de grace. Zayn's in for the save. Crowd is uh, biting on a lot of the, the teases here. South of Heaven gets stopped, and Zane comes in, exploded a priest, and then sets up for the Haluva kick, but Dominic appears to distract Zane and then snap Zane's neck on the rope. Uh, this sets up another near fall, and Jay Uso runs down, taking out Dom. JD returns, uh, fighting Jay at ringside, so Cody comes down. We've got everyone involved. Balor takes a stunner, but Owens is throwing out. Haluva kick onto Priest. And you think Sammy has it won when JD nails Sammy with the belt and Priest gets on top for the win in 20 minutes and 15 seconds. And it was a big brawl to end the show with all eight men and the uh, the baby faces, if you can uh, classify them as such, uh, clearing the ring at the end and definitely getting the tease of uh, Judgment Day with JD taking on uh, these four eventually. Maybe <laughs> eventually. I thought this was an excellent close to a, a great TV match. Um, I think the the sort of like, you know, s- series of run-ins felt almost like a mini War Games match where the baby faces were in control and, and then out comes a heel, Dominic, to stop it. Then out, out comes another baby face and Jay Uso to, to come and equalize. And then JD McDonough comes out and then it's Cody Rhodes. And each entrant felt so hot. 
you know, it, it tells you that I think every character in this uh, entire story, whether it be on the babyface side or on the Judgment Day side, including JD McDonough, I think everybody is connecting in their own way, and everybody plays like a pretty pivotal role in this entire story. So this story is is going really well. They have a really great babyface scene over on WWE Raw, and the fact that Drew McIntyre is not joining in on the babyface side is making Drew potentially the hottest character on Raw in a few weeks. We'll be in, we'll, if we get the war games at Survivor Series, will that be our first William Regal on screen? Will, will the voice of William Regal debut or return, I should say? Uh, that, that's a very good point. I don't know. How long does, you know, like how long does uh, you They said he couldn't appear, but his voice could be on just the, uh, in the arena. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I don't know. That was raw. Um, I thought there was some very good wrestling on, on the show tonight. And I think you're it's a, it's a lot of reliance on the judgment day for some of these shows that are mm-hmm. the three hour story. And there is a lot of kind of wash, rinse, repeat of the, the main people. But you are seeing like they're they're trying to expand this this main event scene of all these different characters. Jay is sort of the the catalyst for all these uh, friends and enemies. And you've got the the group that is trying to exploit all of these problems. But I, I don't know if, that, know that, if that's enough to hold the show, but you had enough like in between here. I, I was really impressed with Dragon Lee on this show. I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, Drew and Kofi had a, had a really nice match on the show and uh, Bronson Reed and Otis giving uh, Will Ospreay and Yoda Suji a run for their money in terms of match of the uh, last 24 hours. Wow, goodness. Uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was a good episode of Raw. Again, like three hours is always going to maybe, you know, dampen even a good show down to maybe just a okay show, I suppose. But I think for a three hour show, they they did pretty well um, in, in creating a show long narrative. And Amazon thought, announces four hour Mondays. God, with two X uh, increase. Yeah, 19 hours is it enough? Um, I think they did a lot of great work with Drew McIntyre and his continued, you know, turn um, to becoming a heel and uh, putting all the baby faces together and injecting JD McDonough back into the heel side. I thought all of that was really well done today. Okay, we're going to open it up. If you want to send in a super chat, you're more than welcome to do so. And we should let everyone know that this Thursday, it is the return of Ask Away, where you can send in all of your questions. You can do it the regular way at forum.postwrestling.com. Just get your questions in by Thursday. Or if you want if you want to submit one uh, via audio form, and it's free to do so, you can send it to memo.fm slash post wrestling just send in your questions by thursday and we will get to all of them uh, that will be out for post wrestling cafe members uh also in addition to that if you want to come and join me neil flanagan and jordan goodman tomorrow on the wellness policy we are back at 3 p.m eastern here at youtube.com slash post wrestling uh we will be talking you know we really enjoyed our open format discussion last week so we might be keeping to a bit more of that but um it's jordan's birthday coming up he's turning uh well i'll let you guys know i'll let i'll let people uh, him tell everybody but um uh john have you ever felt nervous about a birthday coming up especially as we uh you know get higher up there in the age demographic no but maybe i'm in in the in the minority well i'd love uh, you know what maybe you should tune in and uh because we will be discussing the potentially very touchy topic of you know getting older and aging so uh tomorrow 3 p.m eastern time if you're a cafe patron uh we'll be sending out the call and link later tonight as well so do join us then and uh 
just Let's... just before we go to feedback, there is a story tonight. Uh, Andrew Thompson has the story up on the site, but um, it was announced tonight. Noah has uh, stated that Katsuhiko Nakajima, who has been a constant with Noah, is going to be leaving the company at the end of September. Nakajima is choosing to end his contract. His final matches for the promotion are taking place October 20th at Korakuen Hall and October 28th in Fukuoka, the October 20th. Bout will see Nakajima team with Goshi Ozaki and Masakitamiya taking on Daiki Inaba, Manabu Soya, and Masaki Mochizuki. And the 28th, which will be his final match, it'll be a part of Axis with Shiozaki, and they'll be facing Naomichi Marafuji and Takashi Sugiura. And that is a really interesting name um, that will be mm-hmm. out in the open market. He will obviously land somewhere. And this is a guy that is um, probably the best kicks in the industry. And um, you, know, you you associate him being much older than he is because he's been wrestling from such a young age, but he is um, still very young and I think could be um, an immense pickup for um, wherever. 35 years old. Like there is. Yeah, lots it of, seems lots like it, it seems like it's a it's always a pretty big deal when somebody who spent a long time in, in one Japanese promotion either moves to another Japanese promotion or leaves the, the ter- territory, the country altogether. And um where do you think he ends up? I mean, your natural assumption is like in, in Japan, like it's it's going to be New Japan. Like that mm-hmm. would be the, the obvious place for him to go to. Like I don't see him doing like a lateral or even lower move to like an all Japan or like, you know, cyber agent could certainly be um, somebody that I mean, they they can have the resources if they need them. But I would think that your front runner would be uh, New, New Japan. Mm-hmm. Which that, that would be, be that would be a hell of an addition if you were to see uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima going uh, to New Japan potentially. It would be very exciting, and I wonder if if there's any sort of like North American um, interest. You know, not it's not like he's he's a major name, but like he's the type of talent that I think once you see him, you'll be very convinced. And I would love to see him do like an indie tour, like you know, like the way Takeshita did, you know, over here in North America for a bit, just to up his name before maybe committing to any sort of single promotion. Yeah, that's uh, really interesting news. So uh, you can check that out from Andrew Thompson up on the site. Hey, we. Time. Let's go to uh, feedback right now. And Phil sends in a $25 super chat. Thank you, Saeed. He says, I just want to publicly thank you two for the amazing community you've created. You guys have been an amazing distraction with everything going on. Going to try and do Russell Dream this weekend as a distraction. Uh, Saeed, um, hope you're doing well. You know, thank you so much for the support. I- I'm really glad that you found some solace in, in our little community here. So uh, wishing you all the best. Enjoy Thanks very much, Saeed. We appreciate it very much. All right, let's go to form.postwrestling.com. Apologies, everybody. We seem to have some uh, issue with um, the cafe feedback this week. So I moved the feedback thread to general. And uh, hopefully, uh, well, at least a lot of you guys managed to find it. So let's start off here, John, with Brian. Brian writes in, really good match between Dominic and Dragon Lee. If Lee doesn't have any concrete plans in NXT, I could see that match tonight leading to him getting called up. Nice storyline developments within the Judgment Day and Imperium. Drew McIntyre's path towards turning heel is coming off well, and I find Raw's budding Haas division fun. Wild main event that I'm pretty sure is leading to war games in November. Judgment Day and McDonough against Cody, Kevin, Sammy, and Jay. More long-term build for Survivor Series than Fastlane, I think. Yeah, that feels like a long time to wait. Like that's two months away, and they were mm-hmm. like, like we 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 had the big standoff tonight. I I feel you have to pull the trigger on that one quicker. And just the fact that none of these guys have anything set up for Fastlane, um, I I think this could be the pay per view and not 
Like that's just so long to wait to Survivor Series. Well, who's to say they have to do war games at Survivor Series? Not that they'll do it at Fastlane. I don't see that happening. But okay, so then there's there's a Saudi show in between. Yep. Maybe they won't do war games for that with the with the double cage. So it'll probably be Survivor Series actually. Um, yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, they can do several pairings and different, you know, combinations to get to get us there, perhaps. Let's go to Muggin, who says another strong episode that's carried by Judgment Day stranglehold on everything. The main event was damn good with the usual chaos. I'm glad the finish wasn't Jay's assistance backfiring, but with McDonough trying to curry favor, it's a better way to go about it. I think Dom- Dominic and Dragon Lee had a very good title match with one glaring issue. Mustafa Ali's exit made it a headache to figure out the next move. Do you call Lee up or does he get a rematch at No Mercy this Saturday? HBK better get on it. Where do you stand? If I was doing a rematch on Saturday, I would not have booked it in the way it was presented on on Monday. Like you didn't really leave it open for a rematch. They can do whatever they they could do anything, you know, draw a name out of a hat and oh, it's Dragon Lee. He's okay, you get the rematch. You know, they they can do anything they want. I have to assume that like coming off of this exposure and the quality of this match and the reception to this match, I think they'll do it again on Sunday. Um, but I would call Dragon Lee up. It, you know, like he can lose. I would call Dragon Lee up sooner than later. Like the value that you get from this sort of like reaction can only last, I don't know, days. So I would keep him around. Uh, you want to go up next, John? Manny from Pacoima, when they delivered in their first singles match on NXT, I had no doubt Dominic and Dragon Lee would deliver on Raw. These two seemed to have good chemistry together, and it was great seeing the crowd behind Dragon Lee. I also had a feeling Michael was going to mention Bestia Del Ring. What do you do now, though? Dominic won clean. How does Dragon Lee justify getting a rematch? As of now, No Mercy is now a four-match card since Ali is no longer employed. I mean, they'll they'll sort it out t- tomorrow. I think you keep Dominic on that card. You you could go the rematch. You could throw six. You know, um, put put something on the line um uh, i'll I'll drop my last name i'll change my name because he's probably getting called, called up anyway so <laughs> i will change my name entirely if i lose dragon dragon c Overall, Raw, very enjoyable. My heart wants it to be Tiffany and Tegan next week, but Becky and Tegan will be great regardless. I was waiting for Regal to come out after the main event and scream, War Games. I'm excited to spend my birthday at GCW's Blood on the Hills this October, and they announced uh, Aris and Gringo Loco against Ray Oris and Aramis. Yes, boy. Well, an, an early happy birthday present for you, Manny. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Thank you, Manny. All right, lastly, let's go to Jesse Hyde, who says, Jesse from Cincinnati, I'm glad Tegan Knox is back on TV despite being rumored being released thanks to mark henry on busted radio on that newsworthy day for wwe i i did not hear that uh drew going rogue he said he wrote going rouge he could be going rouge i guess yeah he could be turn, turning red yes uh drew maybe he's gonna go blue on his promos soon when he gets really upset <laughs> what does that mean swearing oh okay i i thought it because i'm thinking of baby blue on city tv that's a that's, a, that, that's a different raw after dark that's the amazon yeah. fourth hour yeah uh drew going rouge storyline <laughs> is, about, is about to start and dragon yeah big d <laughs> is about to start and dragon lee is starting to pick up as ali's ball and run pick up ali's ball and run with it and speaking to rumors what about the rumors that trending for a while on wrestling twitter okay this is i'm not even going to mention it this, this is, is so dumb stupid. internet rumors yeah. okay well, there you go. Thanks, everyone. 
always enjoy the, uh, the feedback <laughs> section. Um, that is going to wrap up uh, this week's edition of Rewind to Raw. But coming up in the next couple of days, as we mentioned, 3 Eastern on Tuesday, it is the wellness policy. Up next has you covered for NXT coming up on a Tuesday night. And uh, what do we have for NXT? They have announced Joe Coffey and Butch in the finals of the Global Heritage Invitational. Baron Corbin against Josh Briggs. Yes, coming coming to a television set near you. Dijak and Eddie Thorpe. These two have been feuding over a tree. They're going to have a strat match. I'm not making that up. Yeah. Joe Gacy against Trick Williams. Blair Davenport against Gigi Dolan. Hank and Tank against Bronco Nima and Lucian Price, who will probably have uh, Way's favorite scripts in their corner. And Becky Lynch is also set to be on the show on Tuesday as well. Though they, they really didn't push that at all uh, tonight, that Becky would be on the show tomorrow. But I'm wondering is. if it's like a live appearance or something taped. Like you would think that like they would give her a little bit of time off, you know, if she's going to be working on, on the weekend. And by the way, Mikey clarifies it's a Saturday. That's no mercy. Russell Dream is on Sunday, right? So I don't know. It might be a pre-tape that that, and they don't want to make a big deal out of it. All right. So that's uh, that's NXT. And uh, the two of us will be back Wednesday. We've got uh, uh, Pollock and Thurston will be on 3 Eastern this Wednesday. And then Way and I rewind to Dynamite this Wednesday, 10 Eastern after the show from Broomfield, Colorado, going into Russell Dream this coming Sunday. So that's a wrap for us. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. NordVPN slash post wrestling. Go Way's going to save you money. Uh, a dream for this Sunday's pay per view, courtesy of Mr. Ting. And that is it for us. Have a good night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.